Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Jessica Dennehy, a best-selling author and motivational speaker passionate about helping people find success and happiness by putting themselves first. A former Wall Street attorney turned entrepreneur, Jessica is the author of Selfish is a Superpower, which chronicles her journey and empowers readers to dominate personally and professionally, all by embracing the fact that selfish is a superpower. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. <laughs> My viewers and listeners don't know this, but we've had so much te technical difficulties that this is going to be a wonderful time. Third, fourth time is a charm. So the question I've asked you multiple times since we've done this is <laughs> you are a Wall Street um, attorney. How did you even get into that industry? Because that sounds pretty exciting. It was really exciting. I mean, I, I went in straight from law school. So it was like a lot of young energy and I was in my 20s and yeah. it was really cool. Um, I just always wanted to be a lawyer. I thought it was a great job for me because I love chatting with people. I ask a thousand questions. I love understanding yeah. someone else's perspective. And I thought those were really good traits for being a lawyer. And I worked for the New York Stock Exchange, which allowed me to be an investigator and an attorney all wow. wrapped into one. So I got to investigate the case and do all the depositions and then try the case in, in uh, like an administrative court. So it was really wow. a lot of experience for someone coming straight out of law school. Yeah. And but but what the, the downside yet upside is I know my book is called Selfish is a Superpower, but one of my other superpowers I feel is being underestimated because I was oh, definitely okay. a fish out of water. I was young, yeah. I was a female, and I'm in a male dominant industry. Almost everyone in in the stock exchange world is male. Yeah. And so I'd come in like all happy and like, hey guys, I'm Jessica. And like they're like, oh, I'm gonna wipe the floor with this kid, right? And I was kind of like a secret sniper. Like I would nice. be like all bubbly and happily happy because that's just my demeanor. And they would mistake that for a weakness when really it's a strength because I can be both majorly feminine and bubbly yeah. and also like a killer in the courtroom. So it was great. <laughs> I, I loved it. it. <laughs> I have one other question though. Like I, I didn't even know that you could do that. I mean, how did you know that you could be a lawyer in the stock exchange? Because most people, you know, do criminal or things like that. How did you know that? I didn't know it until my second year of law school when I got 
invited to be part of this clinic in securities regulation, securities meaning hmm. stocks. And I joined the clinic and they had all these interns in a room in, in the New York Stock Exchange. And at that point, the exchange never hired green attorneys. And I wow. guess so many of us impressed them with our like, you know, our like energy being so emphatic mm -hmm. at that stage that they decided for one year to hire straight out of law school. And it just happened to be that year after I interned. Wow. So actually, it wasn't an opportunity that was on the table, um, and I hadn't even known about it, except my school had wow. a professor that graduated from the school that was very high up in the New York Stock Exchange, and she is the one that was like, let's pull these kids from law school and see what they got. <laughs> That's amazing. I always think it's, you know, when you look back retrospectively about how one door opened and created another door, another opportunity, it's pretty neat when you look back, kind of like a jigsaw puzzle pieces of her life. Oh, I love doing that. I love doing that because it's, you never <laughs> would have guessed it, right? And, and the thing I learned yeah. through entrepreneurship is we worry about a lot of stuff that never happens. It's the stuff that mm -hmm. actually we never think about. That's the stuff that happens. And when you look yeah. at your life, <laughs> If you had tried to guess that this would be the way things happened, you would have never been able to do it. And so it makes me always pause and think, stop worrying because none of that stuff's yeah. going to happen. You don't even, yeah. what's not, what's not even on your radar, what's about to come your way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In fact, I just did, I did an Instagram post about this, like faith and fear ask us to do the same thing. Believe in something that has not yet happened. And so uh, we, we've seen the, the cartoons with the little devil and little angel, you know, telling someone something. So it's the same concept as well. If we get lost in the anxiety loop, or we can get lost and get the hope of what could potentially happen. So I always think that's pretty neat when you kind of reframe it in that respect. But I wanted to I transition agree. in. So you were you were doing so many things. So this this high powered attorney, you were a mother, uh, you're married, so a lot of things happening for you. And over time, I'm sure you were pretty exhausted. Yeah, I mean, it didn't really take that long, honestly, for me to be completely <laughs> lost. I mean, I the first couple chapters of my book are really about me becoming a mom and how that completely threw me for a loop. Like I was saying, things you never expect. One thing I never yeah. expected was to have children. Like I was like, I'm going to be a lawyer. I'm going to travel the world. I'm not mm -hmm. even thinking about a family. All of a sudden, I'm like, I want a baby. And then I have the baby and I completely lose myself in her. And I just mm. want to be with her all the time. I didn't even want to go back to work. And when I remember oh, like wow. the day before I went back on maternity leave, holding her in the nursery and my husband then came in and I was like, tell me, I don't have to go back tomorrow. Mm. And he was like, what? Like if I had said shave my yeah. head, I think he would have been less surprised than hearing that from me oh, because really? wow. I went from super high powered, ambitious woman to like a ball of mush and I just wanted mm -hmm. to be with this kid all the time. And I totally lost myself. And I mm. think a lot of mothers, especially, but parents in general go through that yeah. where they yeah. feel like I'm working all the time. I'm missing out. I need to be home. And then they give up their date nights. They give up their friends. They give yeah, up their interests. Sure. And all they're doing is parenting. And that was me in 2012. Mm. Yeah. But, you know, I think, you know, maybe to reframe the, not you weren't necessarily losing yourself. You were evolving to something more, which allowed you to expand your your personality and all the things you enjoyed as well. And then well, you found- years later, out. I yeah, would say yeah, years yeah. later, it was an expansion. In that moment, I was lost. Like, I remember thinking, oh, gotcha, okay. like, who the heck am I anymore? Like, at some point, yeah. I realized, like, I was so- far gone. I had, I didn't even know who I was. And I really mm. had to retrain the way that I think and be like, you got to stay you. 
the way you can parent the best, the way you can be the best spouse, the best friend, Mm -hmm. the best daughter is to be you. If you lose that, what are you doing with yourself? (laughs) When you you lost yourself, how long did it take before you really realized, wow, I've actually lost myself? I was two kids in. Like the first kid (laughs) came, I was lost. My marriage started having some problems. And then the second kid we just went even further down that rabbit hole. And then, mm. you know, there's two kids to worry about and uh, working so much. And we opened a business and it was a lot of hap- happening at the same time. And it wasn't until like most people, right? Everything has to fall apart before you have yeah. that aha moment. And mm-hmm. that's really when I thought like, who am I? Oh my God, yeah. I can't even answer that question because I was lost in the roles. Like I would identify as a lawyer, a mom, a spouse, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but those aren't really who Jessica is. That's just yeah. the roles that I play. And I really had yeah. to work hard to figure out like, who was that person behind all the roles? When, when you were doing all those things, all the different roles, when did you realize that you didn't have time for yourself? It wasn't until my divorce. So we, you know, obviously, yeah. And this is about me. So I, I take 50% yeah. responsibility for what happened sure. because I'm 50% of the couple. So I, people get mad when I don't talk about like him. But my problem was I was not willing to put any time into anything but the kids, including myself, mm. including my marriage. And so yeah. when he left and he was like, you know, he had had enough and everything else happened, whatever it was, I thought, oh my God, like, who am I now? Like I got to find a way to pull myself out of the muck because I was devastated and I was sad and I I started to realize all the mistakes I made and I thought I just have to figure out how to be happy again. And that's when I really started focusing on me and who I was as a person because I I couldn't function anymore. Like I was like so Mm -hmm. sad and so lost and so Mm -hmm. had so much responsibility thrown at me. And that's when I started really diving into me and putting some effort into that Mm -hmm. and who I am as an individual. Well, I appreciate you sharing sharing that with us. I mean, I'm I'm sure that was very devastating. Uh, Lots of emotions that you experienced. Uh, But on this side of it, you you know, when we talk about it, you you can see the growth that you had there. When you started to dive in and find who you were, what, what were the specific things you did to figure that out? That's the hardest part. Like step one is becoming aware that you have lost a piece of your individuality. And Mm. then step two is scary because you're like, well, now what? Okay, now I'm aware of this, but like, what do I do? So my strategy (laughs) was, and because I really didn't know the answer, like back then, now I talk about it like it's easy, but it wasn't like, I really was like, well, what do I do now? Like now I'm even more scared. So I just thought back before I was a mom and a spouse and a a lawyer, like, what did I do? What I enjoy? And the answer I had was volleyball. Like I, I loved volleyball. I played varsity. I played all year round. I was really good at it. And I played even for fun through college and I gave it up for law school and marriage and Mm. kids. And so I just joined this rec team on the beach where I knew nobody and I just started playing volleyball. And the thing is, it's like muscle memory. Like my uh-huh. my body went back into that like head space of being yeah. free and being young and having no responsibility. And like, I started slowly to feel like that person come back. Like, oh, I remember Jessica, she was fun and she was good at sports <laughs> awesome. and she loves to be part of a team. And like that for me started getting me in a place where I could figure out me again and start to prioritize some of the stuff that I enjoy. 
And the great thing about that was something I didn't anticipate that joy started to seep in to my business, Mm -hmm. to the way that I lead my staff, to the way that I led my family, because I was showing up happier and I was showing up with more enthusiasm because I was like getting my groove back. And so when people think of like selfish and they feel like horrible putting themselves first, I would say, doesn't your family deserve that a little bit though? Like if you're Mm -hmm. happy Mm because you're doing things that make you happy, like they get that better version of you. Your staff gets a better version of you. You get your creative juices flowing for the way that you can grow your companies or or if you're in a business that's not yours, how you can shine more. I mean, it's a a pretty amazing phenomenon that happens when you're happy. (laughs) (laughs) It certainly is. (laughs) So that's a great segue into your book, Selfish is a Superpower. When you wrote this book, you obviously were looking at all the different things you learned. What's different between the person I'm talking with today versus the person from before? What's different? What's that? That person wasn't happy. And I don't think I realized Mm. that in the moment I felt, and I think a lot of people think this, like, this is just, this is how life is. You have kids and like, that's just how it is. And like, it's not about you anymore and that's okay. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, we just kind of go like on this blah spectrum. And the reason I wrote the book is because playing Monday morning quarterback, looking back at those years, I realized that my mouth was telling my kids, make sure you live a happy life, make sure you do what makes you happy, follow your dreams. But my body wasn't doing any of that. I wasn't taking action Mm. that aligned with my words. And so my kids were getting this blah mommy and they were just going to mimic that because kids, they don't listen to us. They watch, they watch what we do. That's why sometimes as a parent, you'll hear or see your kid do something and you'll be like, oh damn, they got that from me. (laughs) Like, do you want to teach your kids that your happiness can stay on the back burner? It's okay. Just live a mediocre life. Don't worry. Put everybody else first. Or do you want to teach them to go out and get what they want? and be happy. And so I realized now that as I became happier, my kids started taking more chances in their little lives and their little universe, Mm -hmm. and they started getting happier too. And so I thought people need to hear this because back then I would have never believed you. I would have never believed that this would somehow lead to my family's elevation. I would have felt selfish in a negative way. I would have felt like it was all about me. And so I thought, let me just redefine this word for people. And I think it's something a lot of people can relate to. And someone, I have this friend who's a rabbi and she said in the Jewish faith, there's some kind of tenant. I don't know the technicalities of it, but the, the general gist is this. You could take a match and strike a match and you could light your whole house on fire. That's like the extreme, right? Or that same little fire can go in the fireplace, start a little fire, Mm. warm your family, warm your house, warm your meals, give you sustenance, give you happiness and, you know, safety, or you could take the match and set the world on fire, right? That's the same thing with selfishness. Like you can use selfishness as a tool, as a superpower Mm -hmm. to elevate and keep you happy and keep your family dynamic great. Or you can go, you know, the complete opposite direction and be complete jerk, right? Like it's, it's a tool. It's a tool in the toolbox. So let's redefine it as that and use it as a positive thing. How did you learn to set boundaries with people? Because obviously to be selfish, you have to set boundaries. How did you, how did you learn that? 
to be efficient? I, well, I learned it because I had to, and I'm hoping that I can save people a lot of time and not waiting till it's too late. But, you know, yeah. the real selfish, my, I started doing it little by little throughout my divorce because I really had no bandwidth for nonsense. Like I really had to just go down to the bare bones survival tactics of like, who do I absolutely need to speak to? Who will help me feel happier and who will make me feel worse? Who's going to judge me and who's going to lift me up, right? And so my circle shrunk real fast because I had to, because I didn't have the bandwidth to do the things I used to do and talk to all the people and help people because I was barely helping myself. And so that helped me start to form better boundaries and realize who would, was going to be there to lift me up and who was actually feeding those negative thought flows in my head. And then it happened again because, you know, you can't just have one, <laughs> one pairing down isn't enough. During COVID, it happened again, you know, because my businesses were shut down and I was fighting for my life and for my livelihood. And so again, I went even further and made my circle even smaller. Like if you're watching the news and panicking all the time, like I can't be around you because yeah, I got to be yeah, in survival mode, taking care of my family, figuring out how to elevate, how to keep my businesses afloat. So I had to like, you know, I think sometimes we wait until it's too late and our backs mm -hmm. up against the wall. I don't want you to wait till then. So I would say like, look around you, you're going to start to become the five people you hang out with the most. So whoever you talk to the most, you're going to start mimicking them and thinking like them. And it becomes like a little bit of a group mentality. So you want to make sure that group is high level people yes. who understand you, who want you to win, who are rooting for you and who don't drag you down with drama and nonsense. And so start to just take a look at who's around you and see and be honest about which people are bringing you down. And sometimes those answers are difficult to swallow, um, but yeah. making small tweaks in your circle sure. goes a long way. And I don't think about your family, of course, but if hypothetically, if some of your family members were some of those people who were kind of bringing you down and once again, amazing people, but if that was the case, how did you, how did you live with them or how did you interact with them and also keep those boundaries? Those are the hardest things to accomplish, honestly. And, and mm -hmm. my mom and I, we kind of went through this period as many mother daughter, uh, couples do right where we just it wasn't that we she was bringing me down or I was bringing her down it was just like we couldn't interact like we didn't know what the other yeah. person needed and so I think some of the boundary setting is setting boundaries on yourself too and like checking yourself like what sure. behaviors are you bringing to the table that are contributing to this and so in my relationship with my mom which was the hardest boundary to set I had to really look at myself and be like stop expecting her to change like there mm. that's who she is like some of the things maybe you don't like she doesn't like things about you too like if you <laughs> want to move forward you just got to accept that and stop fighting over yeah. it like some of the push and pull is like trying to get people to think like you and feel like you how about accepting that like they can be different than yeah. you and you can still love on each other that's a flex <laughs> yeah i think it yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think that's really good insight because I think we often do forget about that. The expectation that we're, we're going through this whole personal change and we're doing so well. And so wanting people to accept us like that, as you said, I mean, it's, they have their right to do and think however they want to as well. The one other thing that I was thinking is often when we are around our family system. So if I'm, if I go back to family reunion, I then become Jimmy 
don't ever call me that, but I was Jimmy as a little kid. But when I go back, my mentality goes back to a little boy, a little chubby boy. And so I find myself being mindful of that. Like, wow, James, you are a 47 year old man. <laughs> you're not the same kid you were when you're, you know, when you're younger. So, but I think it's, it's one thing we often forget is when we return back to our family system, our family of origin, we often revert back to that younger self. And so our, the, all the growth that we've, we've learned, sometimes we forget about it because we automatically, automatically, as I said, go back into that mentality. So I don't know if that was your case, but many times that will happen. So any of my viewers and listeners, be mindful of that when you hang out with your family. If you start to revert back to the old version of you, just be aware of that. That's great advice. I wanted to transition into your book again. Uh, so is this more of a memoir? Is this a self-help book? What kind of book is it? It's like a little bit of everything because I yeah. I wanted to tell my story because I think it's it I learn a lot through example and I think it's important mm -hmm. for people to see an example of how yeah. this can go down, right? Now, but I like to give people tools to work with. So while along the way, while I'm telling you my story, I give you the specific strategies that I use to get myself out of every situation sure. that I talk about. And I want people though, to use it as a possibility. Like this is not the only way to bring yourself yeah. out of the muck. It's not the only way to change the way you think or to start getting selfish. But I'm hoping that through example, you can see yourself a little bit and start to make a little bit of tweaks and give you some ideas on how to kickstart that. Cause I think that's the hardest part is that initial like kickstart, like, mm -hmm. what do I do now? So here's a couple yeah. of examples. Maybe they'll work for you, you know, but at least you can see it through my eyes and how it worked for me and kind of pick and choose what you think is resonating. Yeah. Now, what type of people would this book be good for? Or what's the idea? I definitely, to me, I don't want to exclude men, but I'm a woman. Right. So I wrote it from a mom's perspective. I think mm -hmm. a lot of women can really relate to what I'm saying and will be able to pick up this book and read it and start making immediate changes to their lives that can help. Yeah. Now, the way that I think it plays in for men is like, you may read this and I might be your wife. Like I might may remind you yeah, so much yeah, of yeah. something you said or did or some kind of like journey you had with your spouse that might allow you to understand her a little bit more and be a little more patient mm -hmm. as she works through these. Because I think the first five years of a kid's life are probably the toughest to get through as a couple mm -hmm. because they're so intense. And so I'm just hoping that like anyone can read this and realize like, this is a part of your journey at some point you needed yeah. this or you have gone through something similar. And so now you know how to pick it up and pick up the pieces and start making strides towards the happy ending that you're all searching for. Yeah. We, when we first started this, we talked about just the open and closed doors. The, um, the whole aspect of this though. So you are, let's say there's a hundred percent. So you started your journey. Let's say you're at 50% now. Where do you foresee this selfish concept? Uh, where do you see yourself evolving to? Not what you'll be doing, but you as a person. Where am I Where's evolving that? to? I mean, I've got big yeah. aspirations. I think the more yeah. selfish I've become and the more I put myself first, the more I realize how much I'm capable of. And wow. I've, I'm very aware. So I'm like, you know, my kids, I love them so much and we're so super close. But when they were my everything, my life fell apart. And the truth is hmm. maybe 10 years from now, like they're moving on. So I have yeah. to set myself up for where my identity, my self-worth and my happiness is derived from things other than them. Like they're part of the pie, 
But as the yeah. years go on, they have to kind of be less and less because I'll be less and less a part of them, right? So I have big aspirations. Like I, I want my book to get on television. I want to possibly host a TV show. I mean, I want to awesome. take this book on tour. I want to be at the Super Bowl next year because I love football mm -hmm. and I have like aspirations to meet certain people in that industry. So I, I don't even, I couldn't tell you where I'll be in 10 years, but I know yeah. this time next year, I'll be light years ahead of where I am right this moment. <laughs> That's so exciting. I'm super excited for you. That's wonderful. And you know, I, I find it interesting though, but I'm sure obviously when you're going through everything before, you couldn't see that far ahead. So, you know, five minutes ahead is, can be overwhelming, but now, you know, year out, but how the aspirations you have are astronomical and it's, it's exciting to see. And we're getting caught up in the synergy of your, of your hopes and dreams. And, and I'm very confident you'll be able to be successful with that as well. Thank you. Well, unfortunately, our time is up. We could talk multiple, a lot more than this. My viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you. To purchase your book, Selfish is a Superpower, where will they find this information online? They can go to my website, jessicadenehy.com or barnesandnoble.com. It's on there. You can follow me on Instagram at the Jessica Dennehy, And I talk about it all the time, always posting the link. And I, have, I want this book to be on the New York Times bestseller list. So if you enjoyed this and you can purchase a copy, I would really appreciate it. <laughs> That's awesome. My viewers and listeners also know that if they can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link you with Jessica Dennehy and Selfish is a Superpower. Thank you once again for being a wonderful guest today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.